Okay, so um, we've got a bit of an uh, interruption in our series on the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we put this in uh, quite a few months ago now, it's come around, and much of it you might find, uh, you know this stuff, uh, but when I was preparing it, I thought, no, it's good to be reminded, and it belief, baptism and belonging, so you can see naturally there we've got three points, which is good, and it's easy to follow the structure, and you'll see some stuff on the um, overhead as well, but belief, which is the beginning of our faith, Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, so for many, Alpha is the beginning of their faith, it's not the only way people come to faith, there's lots of other ways, uh, but, um, but certainly we want to talk about belief, and you might be sitting here unsure of what you believe in. Alpha, in fact, was started as a discipleship course. It wasn't evangelistic, uh, and God had other plans, but uh, it was really to uh, tell people at Holy Trinity Brompton to remind them what they actually believed in. Uh, but uh, as we know, it's been used a, a lot more uh, than that. Baptism is our response, and we're going to look at the biblical uh, passages that talk about baptism. Uh, we have a baptismal pool under here. Uh, which gets filled up, and it'll be getting filled up on Easter Sunday evening, so we want to talk about that as well. And then uh, also belonging. You know, we're all part of God's family, as we've heard already, uh, but this covenant belonging, um, a commitment uh, to belong. I can go out with somebody. Uh, it's not until I marry them they know there's real commitment. Uh, Andrew's not here this morning, but she'll be pleased uh, to hear me say those words, which is good. And there's work to be done. I mean, we, you know, we want more people to believe, or we want to strengthen our own belief. We want to see baptisms. We love church growth, but we want to see new belief as well. And we, we want you to belong. And God wants you to belong. So we're going to look at all that. So belief, where it all starts. We've got Alpha on the 20th of April for adults, 19th of April uh, with the younger people. Baptisms where you respond. And we've got a service on Easter Sunday evening. And then responsibility, covenant together. God as a relational God who wants us to be part of his family. And so much uh, to be done. So that's kind of the outline of, uh, of what we're going to be talking about. So the first one is belief. Let's start with belief. Uh, anyone need a Bible that hasn't got a Bible? Okay, I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 8. Uh, we're going to look at verses 26 to 40. Uh, we'll come on to the latter parts in a minute, but I'm going to read down to uh, 35. So we're Acts chapter 8, uh, verse 26, uh, and uh, initially just down to 35. This is Philip. He's on his travels, and he comes across somebody who's, uh, who wants to know more about Christ. So Acts 8, 26, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candate, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as the lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life? was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. There's loads, I could preach that, I have preached that passage uh, just on its own, 
uh, in its entirety. But really a few things I want to bring out. Verse 30, first of all, do you not understand what you are reading? And I suppose the question this morning is, do you understand? Do you understand? And many don't know the message of Christ. They might come to church. They might know Christians. They might have been to Sunday school. They might have been to Boys and Girls Brigade. They might have done all, all sorts of things, but they don't know Christ. And you might be sitting here this morning. Who is Jesus? Did he really exist? What's the evidence? Maybe I'm a little bit unsure. That verse came up. Lord, uh, I believe, help me in my unbelief. It's a prayer in the Bible. And Philip, in this instance, saw a need. And he was willing to speak. And as a church, we're willing to speak. We want to speak because the message is life-changing. We've got gospel, if it means good news, which it does, then we want to tell people. We spoke about that uh, the other week. The person of Jesus Christ is life-changing. He said that I've come that you may have life in all its fullness. But you might be sitting there thinking, okay, well, I'm not sure if I believe that. Well, do you want to know more? The eunuch did. He was open to it. Verse 31, how can I know unless someone explains it to me? There was a willingness to learn more. So many people uh, walk around uh, in ignorance, really. Um, they're sort of not really sure what I believe about God or Jesus or any of that sort of stuff. Uh, but they're not willing to know more. They're not willing to explore. But the, the Ethiopian eunuch did. He wanted to know. He said, how will I know unless someone explains it to me? He was reading from Isaiah about the great prophecy of Jesus and he was willing to learn. And he asked, doesn't he, in verse 34, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? And then we're told Philip went on to give him the good news. Well, what is the good news? What is the good news? Why are we gathered here this morning and and literally millions and millions of people all over the world, some uh, under fear of death. We don't have real persecution in this country, but some do. And they still want to meet, and they still want to meet because they worship the living God. They worship God the Father, which they can only do through Jesus the Son, with the Holy Spirit living within them. The good news is that the world's only real hope, the hope of the world is only found in one person and that's in Christ. He's living in you if you want him to. The Bible says if we invite him into our lives, he'll come in. He'll come in. It's a promise. He's the one who said, I'm the light of the world and then tells you that that identity is yours as well because he says, you're the light of the world. He's the one who gives you strength in this life. We just heard testimony about that. He's the one who is the comforter when we're mourning. God himself that was rejected by many yet went to the cross for you. Dealing with your estrangement from God because unless you've got Christ in your life, unless you've accepted that free offer, you are estranged from God. The relationship is tarnished. And as you accept what he's done on the cross and that the wrongdoings, the sin has been paid for, that relationship is restored how it's supposed to be right at the beginning. And then I can say confidently when I've done that, I am his. He is mine. That's the belonging. There's no more guilt. I don't have to fear death. I stand in the love of Christ. I live because of the death of Christ. I stand because I've been bought by Christ. And I stand here now in the power of Christ. What about you? Do you know that? And if you don't, there's three solutions to each of these three points. If you don't and you want to know more, you can come and talk to me or any of your Christian friends or leaders or whatever, or you can come on our next Alpha course. I did make a joke the other week that 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 was me and people think it looks like Bear Grylls, but it hardly got a laugh, so I'm not going to do it again. That is Bear Grylls, um, Chief Scout, uh, basic adventurer, and all the fellas I know want to be like Bear Grylls. 
a good husband, father, everything else, owns his own island in Wales somewhere or off Wales. Can't be on Wales, can it? It wouldn't be an island. Um, <laughs> you know, you put a big slide up that went into the sea and didn't get planning permission and, you know, sort of had to adjust it, all the sort of things that I want to do. And, uh, <laughs> but anyway, he's on all the publicity because he's a big supporter of Alpha. Uh, and you know, if you read his uh, autobiography about when he was going up Everest and everything else, you'll find that as he's you know, sometimes clinging on for dear life, verses were coming into his mind. And it was the, the Christ that lived in him, the hope of glory that really, really helped him. If you want to know more, then sign up for Alpha. Uh, Jesus said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. It's the beginning of people's journey, the beginning and the end. So take a leaflet. They're out there. Uh, put it in the letterbox and we'll, we'll contact you. Do you want to know more? So that's the first one. That's belief. If you're not sure about your belief, come on Alpha. The second one, here we go, baptism. Someone once asked me, Ian, uh, are you a Baptist or a Christian? Well, that's a strange question. (laughs) And I said to him, and I was quite happy with my reply, I said, I'm a Baptist because it reflects what I believe as a Christian. Uh, But So there's loads of different denominations, and God uses all of them. Uh, there's not a big issue with that but I want to talk about baptism we're a Baptist church there's many sorts of ways that people get baptised but if you are a believer and you've not been baptised have a think about this and we're going to look at why we should think about it we've got baptism up there the word baptizo the original word means literally to immerse or submerge to be overwhelmed and this is why when we open up our baptismal pool uh, and we baptise people when they've become Christians and they want to make a, a physical demonstration of an inward work, work that's already been done, we baptise them. They go right under the water. We always bring them back up. <laughs> I've had some big blokes in a baptismal pool with me and, um, uh, and I've often wondered, but I guess, you know, singing some of the songs we've sung, I've had faith. They tend to bounce up. You have to really push them under them. The water brings them back up. And I'll look at what that means, why we do that uh, in a second. But let's carry on with our passage that we're reading because we've got the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, Philip. I mean, the imagery, you can, you can lose the imagery. So, you know, running along beside the chat. I don't know how he was giving him uh, the gospel, but I can't remember a time I've run up to someone in, in their car in the high street and done it. But anyway, there he is. He's giving him the message. And it goes on, as they travelled along the road, so the eunuch's just heard the message. He's only just heard it. He's just heard of his need. Just heard it, right? They come to some water and the eunuch said, look. So Philip must have spoke to him about baptism. Look, here is the water. Who can, what can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. I don't know if Philip was still running at this point. He must be out of breath. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water And Philip baptised him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. He heard the message and he responded to it by being baptised. There wasn't a big baptismal class. I'm not saying we shouldn't talk to people about the true meaning of baptism. But the urgency was there. It was obviously, it wasn't, well, actually, I'm a bit out of breath now, and the Spirit's about to take me away somewhere else, so I'll send you to, I've got a nice little church up the road, Uh, there's a bloke called Paul up there, he'll do it for you, Uh, or whatever it is. He said, yeah, there's water right there, I'll do it right now. It must have been important. Why the importance of baptism? Let's look at some passages. First of all, Jesus taught it. 
Jesus taught it, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is our mission statement, isn't it? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus tells us to get baptized. Jesus modelled it. As a good leader, he leads by example. Matthew 3.15, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptised by John. John was a Baptist, I like to say that. John the Baptist, it's good, isn't it? No, it's only me. Okay. <laughs> but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfil all righteousness. Then John consented, and as soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up, out of the water. He must have got in the water. He went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. So Jesus taught it and Jesus did it. The apostles taught baptism. Peter at Pentecost, Acts 2.36, Therefore let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Both Lord and Messiah, and when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? They realised their need. They said, what should we do? And he says, repent, literally turn to God. Change your mind. That's what the word repent means. If I've been looking this way, and what's good for Ian and my life and selfishness, it's turning to God. What does God want? Seek and strive first for his kingdom. And I want to accept that forgiveness that comes and the freedom to live for him. Peter replies, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. All those first believers were baptised, 3,000. 3,000 New Christians were baptised after Peter's preaching. I mean, no pressure on me on Easter Sunday, uh, if I'm preaching. Uh, 3,000 people. It must have been urgent, because wouldn't you if you'd spread that over a number of weeks? Imagine if now 3,000 people said, I want to get baptised. Really? Okay, we'll do 10 today, and some can come back tomorrow. But they did it. They did it that very day. 3,000 people baptised. What a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We just heard that Philip baptised in uh, believers in Samaria. Paul baptised after his dramatic conversion. God had met with him, but he got baptised. Whenever Luke describes someone's conversion, baptism is sure to follow. Every believer was baptised. The New Testament, nowhere will you find a passage in the New Testament that sees baptism as an optional extra. Believers' baptism was the standard practice. It followed belief. And it's for people who get it wrong only, for sinners only. So many people come up to me and say, I'm not ready to be baptised. I said, do you trust in Christ? Yep. Have you asked for forgiveness? Yep. Do you trust what he did for you on the cross? Yep. And are you going to live for him now? Yep. Get baptised. Not quite ready. Where does it say that? You'll never be ready. You know, we're saved by the grace of God. I'm not perfect, but I'm declared righteous because of what Christ has done. I'm clothed in his righteousness. He's taken my sin and put it on that cross, and it's been dealt with. And now I identify in his death and resurrection. As I go under the water, that's the death to my old self. And as I come up, I'm resurrected to a new self. The Bible says the old has gone, the new has come. So they were baptised. Repent, believe, 
be baptized. That is the word of God. I cannot get around. Whenever I explain this to people, they, they get it. And uh, In my past church, we had people that would come up and they'd say, well, you know, my first two kids were Christians, so I need to do the next one. And uh, so, well, I don't do Christians. So we have this thing called dedication. We can do that. Let me tell you why. And I go through it. And um, I say, but if you can show me where it says that I'm wrong in the Bible, I'll happily, I'll happily look at it. And they never can, because it's not there. It's not there. So Jesus taught it, he modelled it, the apostles taught it, all the believers were baptised. Death to my old self, new creation, I now live for Christ alone. So if you want to talk more about that, come and see me or any of the elders and uh, we'll talk to you about it. But we have a service on Easter Sunday evening and we'd love to see people baptised to, to give testimony to what God has done in their life and baptise them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit and with the promise that Jesus will be with them to the very end of the age. So come and speak to us for that. I remember when I got baptised, I left it too long. Uh, I made a commitment uh, back in 1995 and then I was a millennium baby because I got baptised in 2000, February 2000. Um, And um, I wish I'd done it earlier. I've got to trust God's timing, but everything changed. There was something significant about that. Uh, We've only got two sacraments in the Baptist church. One is communion, which is the ongoing rite, if you like, and the uh, other is baptism the initiatory right. One is the uh, follows belief and one is the ongoing belief. But everything changed for me uh, soon after. And it's not a magical thing, it's just, the, it's just obedience to the teaching of the Bible. So, if you want to talk about that, um, then let me know. So, on to our third point. I think. Is it frozen? Uh, maybe I need to speak more about baptism. Belonging, it's all right. Even God had enough. <laughs> belonging, belonging. So it's just not—it's not just believing. It's not just being baptized. When when we get baptized into Christ, we're part of a family. We've heard about that already this morning. So Ephesians chapter two, verses nineteen to twenty-two. Because of this belief, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. 1 Timothy 3, uh, at the end of verse 15, God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. It talks about family and household, a description of the people of God, the church. The word is ecclesia, that's where we get the term ecclesiology from. It means those who are set apart, those who have been called out. When becoming a Christian, uh, there's a whole journey getting to that point. In fact, Alpha was the beginning uh, for me, and I accepted and I believed, but then what now? How is I going to carry on that journey? How is I going to live among the people of God? And a, and a godly person sat me down and he said, well, you're called to belong as well as believe. You should belong. You're part of God's family. You should believe. None of us can fulfil God's purposes just by ourselves and in isolation. You're called to belong, not just believe. And if you think about it, even right at the beginning, even in the perfect, sinless environment of Eden, God said it is not good for man to be alone. We're not meant to be in isolation. We're created, you're created for community. You're fashioned for fellowship. You're formed to be part of this family. None of us 
can do this by ourselves. The Bible knows nothing of solitary saints or spiritual hermits isolated from other believers and deprived of fellowship. But the devil loves it. He loves it when you're isolated and on your own, suffering in silence, um, not coming to be among your family, uh, the people of God that can pray for you. He loves it when you think you can do without the church family. He loves it when there's arguments and people walk away um, you know, because they've been offended once or twice um, or whatever. We're created to be together. I know, I've known committed Christians, I mean really committed Christians who have left church and they say we're better off on our own. They could see all the faults in church, which there are some, because it's, it's full of sinners. And I'm one and so are you. So we don't get it right all the time. But they said, we're going to be better off without the church. And they were, as Alpha puts it, like the coal out the fire. You know, it burned brightly for a little while, but eventually they just went out. You know, that couple, who were very, very committed Christians, uh, went on uh, not to come back to faith and got divorced. And they're both of other people now. Well, there's those that dip their toes but never really commit to the church. I'm happy to come along and receive, uh, but that's it. That's all I want to do. And sometimes there is a time for that. I I accept that. But generally, uh, it comes a point uh, when they need to experience the warmth of belonging. The Bible says we're put together, joined together, built together, members together, heirs together, fitted together and held together and we'll be called up in Christ together and all the references are up there. Basically, God is saying, you're not on your own anymore. You're part of this family. While your relationship to Christ is personal, which it, which it is, you have to make your own decision, God never intended it to be private. If we're part of God's family, we're connected to every other believer. And we'll belong to each other, get this, for eternity. Even all those people you don't like. That's a good thought, isn't it? It's great. The Bible says in Christ, we who are many form one body. One body. You wouldn't chop your arm off, would you? And so, well, the, you know, my arm's hurting. I think I'll chop it off. It won't be part of my body anymore. I've had enough of it. You wouldn't do that, yet we do it in church. I've been hurt. I'll just leave the body. Because, again, the devil loves that. We're one body, and each member, it says, Romans 12, belongs to all the others who have a responsibility among ourselves. Following Christ includes belonging, not just believing. I have quite a high view of the church, not as in high churchmanship, but I have a high view of it. I think it's important. It must be. Jesus set it up. Um, St. Augustine said, anyone who has God as his father needs to church his mother. I'm not sure I've goes right down that road, but certainly it's important. We're members of his body, the church. C.S. Lewis noted that the word membership is of Christian origin, but the world has emptied it of its original meaning. Stores offer discounts to members. Advertisers use members name, member names to create mailing lists. In churches, membership is often reduced to simply adding your name to a role with no requirements or expectations. But what God wants is committed people, ready to serve his purpose. To Paul, being a member of the church meant being a vital organ of a living body, indispensable, interconnected part of the body of Christ, which is how we're described. We are the body of Christ. Why are, we, why are you going to cut yourself off from that? We need to remember and practice, and this is a, an onus is on us as a leadership for this as well, the biblical meaning of membership. It's not about uh, the church is a body, uh, not a building. It's an organism, not an organisation. Sometimes it feels like that because we need structure in the way we do things. But really, we're the people of God, sharing God as our Father and Jesus as our brother. And God's purposes for his church are identical to his purposes 
for you, which we've been looking at as a leadership recently. It means what you do in church has an outworking effect of your life. So if you think about it, things we do in church, worship, worship, which we've done this morning, helps us focus on God. Our attention is on him. Whatever's happening in our lives, we come and we want to worship him. We're kind of taken out of our lives for a bit so we can receive from him and then we get sent out again to get on with our roles. We realise God for who he is, creator, saviour, redeemer, encourager. So we worship and it helps us focus on God. We have fellowship. We've got a nice bring and share after this. I remember the first one I came to, I read the thing wrong, so I bought a cheese sandwich and I was a bit embarrassed because everyone had all these lovely meals. I said, well, I bought a sandwich. And I, I thought I was going to eat the sandwich. I didn't realise I had to divide it up among 100 people. Just so you know, I've not bought anything today. <laughs> but I'm going to pop out later on uh, and get something. Andrew's away. It's not my fault. <laughs> I did not mean that, the way it came out. I've just been rushing around with the kids this morning. So worship helps us focus on God. Fellowship. Fellowship. We've got this fellowship with our little bring and share. I can't believe I've said that. There's no getting out of it. Uh, sharing. Uh, we've had testimony about how church family has rallied around somebody in a time of need. Wouldn't you want that? Your fellowship, support of others, love in action. Wouldn't we want that? That's part of being the body. Discipleship, helping to fortify your faith, the transforming message and power of the Bible, the Spirit of God bringing alive the Word of God, and then the Spirit of God changing you. Wouldn't you want to be part of that? Or ministry or or service helps find your talents, your giftings. You're a vital organ in the body. We don't want to remove you, and we don't want you to remove yourself. But the body needs all of its organs to function. If you took something out of me, this is not a suggestion, it's an observation, then I would cease to function properly. If I cut something off, I wouldn't be quite myself. We'd be incomplete. So the body needs all of its organs to function. That's you. It needs the people of God who have committed to Christ to really covenant in their membership and their ownership of their local church. We need it within the church and outside the church. And then we have power, which helps fulfil our mission in evangelism and other missionary organisations. The power comes from the Holy Spirit, and it comes from the church where we meet together. You ever feel uh, you come to church on a Sunday morning, um, and you're a little bit, you know, you're not quite sure, but you go out and you think, actually, I, I, I've God is with me, and I can go out and I can make a difference. There's nothing else like the church on this earth third of the world's population. And when I look back when I first believed, I really thank God that that Christian sat me down and said, Ian, if you believe, you must belong. You've got to belong. You're part of God's family. And before that, I was dawdling along, but when I joined the task, the Missio Dei, the mission of God, that's when I found real purpose and saw actually how lives could be changed. And that is a privilege to walk with people in that regard. When we covenant together, every Christian has to be said, is a member of the worldwide church. If you're a Christian and you're a covenanted member here, you're a part of the church. The church. When we sang the Creed song, uh, I think it's Universal Church. But locally, what we need is people covenanting together as members where we're able to. I accept that not everybody can do that. There's much work to be done. This is a big year for us, uh, things that we're talking about and things that uh, hopefully will be changing. But we need to collectively come together to discern God's will so that we can move forward with confidence. We've got an AGM this week on Wednesday where we look back and we look forward and we believe it's of God, but we need everybody there 
to really help us in that, to discern together. We're going to worship together, thanking God for the past in anticipation of what God will do in the future. We're going to pray. I mean, why? I, I, I wrestle. I mean, I understand there are time constraints and things like that, but these are, these are events, although we want them to be, rather than just kind of a, okay, we've got to go and vote and the rest of it. They're events. These are important things where we set uh, time aside to worship and discern the will of God. The difference for me is it's about commitment. The Bible talks, as I said, the church, there's the body of Christ. If I belong to Christ... Surely I should belong to his body. And some of us need to move from being attenders to only to contributors as well. You're valued. You're needed. We, we need the body of Christ together discern, to discern the mind of Christ. If I date someone, like I said earlier, then I'm sort of committed, but not really. I mean, I can stop ringing any time I want. Or these days you get texts, don't you? Breaking up was always hard to do, wasn't it? Now they send texts. We had to, we, in my generation, we had to meet them face to face. It was very difficult. I have to tell you, I never broke up with anyone. They all broke up with me. you believe that? I don't think I ever ditched anyone. Oh, no, there was one. There was one. There was one. One girl finished with me. She said, Ian, you're like, I do like you. You're like a piece of cake. Really sweet, but too much of it makes you feel a bit sick. That's nice, isn't it? That's what she said. That's a genuine story. Lovely. If I date someone, I'm sort of committed while it suits me. If I marry them, the intent is for life. I'm really committed. That shows real commitment. And elsewhere in the Bible, the church, you, are described as the bride of Christ, with Jesus the bridegroom. We know that one day we meet him face to face. But I would imagine the bride, uh, if she's due to get married, should feel committed, wouldn't you? Because shouldn't we be committed to the body? If we're the, if we're the bride of Christ, we're not just dating ready to finish whenever we want, um, you know, by text or whatever. We're committed. And that bride of Christ, the church, she needs God's rule and reign in her life. A committed people, a covenanted people, with our hearts filled with hope, love and power. Seeking his kingdom first. We spoke about that a few weeks ago. Remember the NRSV, strive for the kingdom, first for the kingdom. Not just looking for it, we've got to do something about it. To see lives change, to see kingdom power. You're, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Not could be, should be, or hope to be, you are. You're the light of the world. You're the light shining in the darkness and together we can do much. We'll sing soon that we want, the, we want the God, God that we follow, to set his church on fire and build his kingdom here. And we sing that, and I passionately believe in it, but what are we going to do about it? We should say, God, please, can someone else build your kingdom here? God, set other people on fire for you. Well, what about set your church on fire and build your kingdom here? And Lord, how do you want to use me? And I'll covenant with, th- with these people and make a huge difference in Tabilariki and the surrounding uh, areas. So our last uh, slide, the application. If you're not too sure about what you believe, or even if you want to brush up on the basics, or you're like the prayer in the Bible, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief, then come along, pick up the leaflet for Alpha and sign up. Uh, Meet new people. Uh, Often we see those groups, whether people choose to believe or not afterwards, they still meet up because uh, they've made some new friends. But pick up a leaflet and commit today and say, right, I I will investigate this for myself. 
But if it's about baptism, well, uh, 16th of April in the evening, we've got some people getting baptised already. Come and see us. If, you, if you've turned to God and accepted his forgiveness and want to live for him, we'll baptise you. It's not rocket science. We make it this huge thing. And in many ways it is. But it's quite simple as well. Do you believe in what Christ has done for you on the cross? Are you willing to serve him? Yes, get baptised and I'll bring you into membership. We say in there, I promise to follow Jesus forever and serve him in the fellowship of his church. Brilliant. Do you want to be a church member? No. You know, don't say it then. You know, I mean, I know there's times when we can't do that for physical reasons or work. I understand that. But let's be a committed people. We're the body of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. Where's my commitment? If I'm, if I'm, if I'm, I've got switching sexes a little bit, but you know, if I'm the bride, I want, I want to be the bride, but I don't want to get married. I'm not really showing the commitment. So I want a covenant to the church. So belief, baptism, and belonging. Speak to me if you're not a member already, but you are a believer. And uh, let's ask you the question, why? Why would you not want to be part of this? Be challenged. Come and be part of the fire. And let's see uh, this area changed. Let's join Christ in his mission for Billericay and further afield. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, uh, in many ways, a simple message. Believe, repent, believe, be baptised, be filled with the Spirit. Covenant together as part of your family, the Bride of Christ. And for some people this is a new thing. For others we've heard it time and time again. But we seek to honour your word. And I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit now, you would, where people are sitting, just start working in their hearts and help them to respond if they need to. Pray for good conversations. We pray for the Alpha Course. We thank you for it. We thank you for all the work that goes into that the branding that it has, the way it's recognised. And I pray, Lord, that it will be literally be Alpha, the beginning for many people. We pray ahead for our baptismal service, Easter Sunday evening. We pray already for those that you're preparing. I pray, Lord, you give them the courage to say, I've looked at your word and I can see it's true and I want to get baptised and help us to respond as a church as we baptise them in your name. And Lord, for those that are believers but don't feel like they can belong, Pray, Lord, they'll know they're loved, accepted, and they're needed. And we have a great mission to fulfil, and we need to do that together. We're not meant to be in isolation. I pray, Lord, that you would set our hearts on fire. I pray as we sing these next two songs, you would really speak into our hearts and that we'd worship. We'd sing loudly because we believe in you, and our hearts are drawn towards you. In Jesus' name, amen.